Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchi. Coach, getting close to the Super Bowl, big dog. I kind of look back, and I, I think I was I was 0 for 2. You were 1 for 2. Um, so we kind of, I don't know, that that doubting Patrick Mahomes was probably a big mistake on all of our parts, even, even with the love we have for Coach Bose with the Bengals and and whatnot, but that uh, that guy's something else, isn't he? It was kind of fun to watch. That was a great game. Great game. It's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate just the more so the culture we live in nowadays that everything blaming other people, you know, I, at the end of the day, I, we, we talk about this and we've talked about this on the podcast. You know, you don't want referees to influence the game, dominate the game, don't make mistakes, you know, and at the end of the day, it's unfortunate that it came down to that, but well, what a great game. How, how are you? What's going on over there? What do we got? I was just I'm just getting jacked for that Super Bowl as well. You know, just I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. I just I just like the way he responded to you know the adversities he's had in his life. And he's such a great competitor. And it just looks like he's the ultimate teammate. Just yeah. an incredible leader. And I'll tell you the the rest of the Eagles are really following his lead. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, I think so. We got the Pro Bowl coming up, which is you know pretty much a flag football game. Um, yes. So that'll be that'll be fun to, to fun to watch everybody, you know, play grab each other and stuff like that. But um, real quick, Dean, we got an open house coming up uh, in Oconomowoc, February fifteenth, uh, for Sports Advantage Oconomowoc, which is our fifth location, well, fourth gym location, but technically fifth location that we run programs out of. Uh, we're very excited. It'll be February fifteenth. Uh, meet and greet starts at six o'clock. Uh, we'll go six to seven with the meet and greet. Photo ops there for guys like Joe Thomas. Uh, hopefully by then he'll be in the Hall of Fame or at least have his uh, awareness that he's in the Hall of Fame. Super Bowl champion Rob Havenstein will be there. Ryan Groy, former Badger, former NFL lineman. Uh, and we've got a couple of surprise, other surprises coming, Dino. we got a, a good chance there'll be a couple of national champions there um, from sports that are not football. Um, so, again, this is for all athletes, families, uh, things like that. It's going to be a great event. Uh, the Lake Country Dock Hounds are helping us put it on. Uh, there's going to be appetizers and and other things upstairs. Uh, so check it out, okay? Um, we got a very special guest here today, Coach Patrick from Georgia. He's down in uh, SEC land right now where they think football is a little bit better than the Big Ten, um, which, you know, if, if you kind of look at the results the last 10 years, we're going to have a hard time arguing with them. Uh Coach Patrick, though, he's he's a wily veteran of strength and conditioning. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty lucky. I'm in a couple chat groups uh with him and some other guys that that talk conjugate and, and things like that. And and from some of the you know responses and things like that, I think Coach Patrick and I think a lot alike. Um uh, so John, we're we're really excited to have you on. Really looking forward to chatting with you today. If you could uh maybe just give us a little bit on your background and kind of talk a little strength and conditioning. We were talking yeah. off off before we recorded we probably should have got some of that on there about you know coach Mislinski and and things like that guys that, that coach Manchi and I know so you got to give us a little background and, and where you've been and and what yeah. that'd be great no I appreciate you guys having me on and, and uh it's, it's an honor you know just uh I've heard some of your podcasts and they're, they're really good so definitely my background I'm from northeast Ohio originally uh from Youngstown Ohio uh grew up there I went to school at Mount Union College um you know played football there and whatnot and then uh, obviously you know uh, got interested in strength conditioning, you know, at high school level, really, like our high school is very small, but our coaches, uh, you know, we were doing things like Hatfield squats, trap bar deadlifts, uh, band squats uh, back in, 
the early, you know, mid nineties. Right. So that's only, that's, it's pretty progressive as far as compared to what people are doing now. Right. So, um, you know, got in the college realm, you know, uh, actually got in minor league baseball first, uh, you know, love baseball, but just hated sitting at the games, you know, nine inning games all the time. So I'm like, Hey, I need to get out of this. And so I went to, in, uh, decided to be, a, you know, try to be a GA was a GA for a period of time. Um, was a GA at Georgia Southern university. Uh, got my GA there, worked with sports teams, uh, went right into a head position at Jacksonville University. I was at Jacksonville for four years, got a chance to go back home to Youngstown State, was at Youngstown State for five years, and then I went to Kennesaw State for two years, UNC Charlotte for six years, and now I've progressed to the high school level where I'm at George Walton Academy. Uh, this is my second year at George Walton, or best, yeah, going to my second year where I've moved into the director of the PE chair, so I'm chair of the PE department. And then obviously one of the strength coaches uh, working at the, the upper school level. Right. So um, yeah, I guess my love for strength conditioning really came from the high school level, right? Like most kids, right. You play a sport, um, you know, you love lifting weights, you find praise in it. Right. So coach says, Hey, great job. This is awesome. And uh, you know, that's where I really fell into it. You know, obviously it carried over to my athletics when I went to, to Mount union where we didn't have a strength coach. So having that background of, of training uh, was great. You know, like we learned Olympic lifts, uh, we had a kid that was uh, that played uh, linebacker for us that was on the Pan, Pan American Games for Olympic weightlifting. So he came and taught all of us how to do Olympic lifts because in high school I never I never never did Olympic lifts just because we were doing a lot of different other styles of training. So that's how we learned. Um, you know, we didn't we we'd much rather squat or bench, right? But kind of progressed, and then that education standpoint, just seeking out education and moving from position to position and growing from there. That's pretty much how I got into the field and how you know I guess this is my twenty. 23rd or 24th year coaching um, out of college. So it's been progressive, you know, as far as trying to educate myself and, and find the best way to train the athletes that I work with. So. Hey coach, let's talk about, you know, just being a high school strength and conditioning coach. And I, you know, I'm the same at Kimberly high school in Wisconsin here. We're 20, 20 miles South of Lambeau field. But you know, a lot of people say, Hey, what do you do? You tell them you're a fi ed teacher. Right. Oh, the old, you know, myth, you roll the ball out or you got a weight training class and, you know, right. guys are just in there and gals just getting a workout in and you're, you know, hey, you're Dean? Hey, something. Yes. How, how far, how far away are you from Lambo? 20 miles south. Okay. Just, just, I was just checking in on that for future yeah. reference. Yeah. 20 miles south. And, uh, <laughs> and the situation with that is, you know, a lot of people just don't understand what we do. Right. You know, they, they just think even I've noticed, you know, some people, when you go to family gatherings, you know, I, I don't think they truly get what we do on a daily basis. So you have a lot of experience, you know, at the pro levels and also a ton of college, you know, being in lots of different spaces and um, places. So what is the, you know, the biggest difference, I guess, with the high school role than what you had in those other previous roles? Well, I mean, all the other previous roles, the kids had to train, right? Like it was something that it was a necessity for a college scholarship or to get a paycheck. Like those individuals, it was part of their daily habits where we're dealing with kids at the high school level that, you know, even though they do get a grade for our class that we teach, you know, it doesn't affect GPA. So they're not too worried about that. But it's something where you really have to entice them and really have to educate them on why the importance of it. Because, yeah, they're doing it for, you know, they're doing it for athletic performance or they're doing it. And the big thing is overall the health and wellness benefit, right? Like getting them started, just like with myself and probably most of you guys, a high school coach pretty much affected you in a positive way that you got into the profession, right? And we're trying to do the same thing and, and, and 
pretty much play it forward and get these kids interested in that. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, grabbing their attention, trying to educate them why it's important, why they need it in the future, right? So, you know, our goal at George Walton is pretty much to take those kids that we have our hands on and where when they're done with one year, two year, three, four years with us, when they go to college, they can they can design or they can program or they can work out and not worry about going on Instagram or YouTube or paying for a program, right? Like that's that's what we want to succeed at. So we want to give the intangibles to them that they understand how to do things correctly and can cut through the nonsense of all these training myths and mythologies, right? Everything that's a quick fix. So um, that's one, that's first and foremost is just communication and communicating with them. Hey, like, you know, this is why you need to train, uh, why it's important and they have to buy in. You know, you're gonna have some kids that don't buy in or whatnot, but you know, we have, you know, we have two individuals at the upper school, two at the middle school, and then two at the lower school. And really I control pretty much uh, our curriculum as far as what we're doing. So I, I pretty much am, am pretty much in charge of designing that curriculum now. So the biggest thing is our upper school level is we really want those kids to understand, like there's two coaches. So if I can't connect with the kid, then the other individual, you know, we need to find a way to connect to them. So we're in there talking to the sport coaches going, Hey, what's so-and-so's home life, just like you would in a college level, right? Like, how can we affect them? What sport part of town are they from? You know, what's their favorite sports team? Like we're trying to find some type of connection. So that way it's just something that they grab hold and they understand the, the importance of it. Right. And we're also bringing people in from the outside um, that may connect with them too. So whether it's like, you know, like my wife works for, for uh, university of Georgia, she's a dietitian there. Right. So she helps out with football. Um, so it's something that if we can go and travel to the facility and, and make them see, like have them see the facility, now, all of a sudden, those kids are like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And some of the exercises they're doing may be similar to what we're doing. Now you have that cognitive path that, hey, you know, now we're doing similar things at these bigger time programs. So now they understand that. Does that make sense? Like, it's just that ooh and off factor. Um, it's just like anything else, right? Like, if you're in Ohio and you take a, a, you know, a kid from Ohio to Ohio State to show them what they're doing or a coach, then when they get back to their school, that coach wants to do the exact program that Ohio State's doing, correct? Just like, I mean, that's how it is. But it's a good thing that we're edu- we, you know, it's a good thing our head of school and our, our administration have, have seen a need for getting qualified individuals in there. So that way we can kind of connect and, and move this whole thing forward and play it forward overall. So I think that that, yeah, I, I'm hoping in our, in our profession that that's going away, right. That, that, you know, coaches are asking colleges for their programs so they can do them. We, I mean, there's just no way you can't, no matter what school you're at, at, at any place, if you have a division one football program or division one volleyball program, you right. can't do the program they're doing because you don't have the athletes are doing, you know, sorry, not sorry, but you just, you just don't like, you just, you know what I mean? Even at the division three level, right. you know what I mean? You're not in some, like, I can't. And like for you guys too, I can't do what you two are doing right? because I don't have, you know, the guys and girls you have, I don't, you know, you guys see the, the movement imbalances and stuff like that. So you're programming exercises to, to fix what happens in your weight room and your weight room. Um, my thought for both of you guys, this is kind of going off topic a little bit. And this is something I'm really curious about because in my setting, you know, the majority of the kids that come to the private sector are there because they're, you know, intrinsically motivated for the most part to do it. Now we do get, you know, crazy parents that are like, you know, seventh grader is going to be playing at Wisconsin in seven years and, um, or he's going to be pitching in the major leagues when he's 21, you know, so, you know, we work with that a little bit, but for the most part, our kids are ultra motivated when they come to us. Um, because of the dollars and cents aspect that goes with it that you have to pay. How do you guys, you know, and I'm curious for both of you because you're in a little different scenarios. 
we, I think we as strength coaches think that just because we absolutely love being in the weight room, we assume that if kids are in our class or if they're in our, in a sport that they're just going to love training. And that's not the case. So how do you guys deal with that? I think, I think a lot of our coaches would be like, that is like one of the golden nuggets. Like, how do you, outside of just telling them, Hey, it's going to help prevent injuries, which we all know, but how do you guys do that with, with your kids? I don't care who starts, but that's a, that's an interesting topic. So John, maybe why don't you start on Oh, I mean, yeah, just like you said, like we get, we get a lot of kids that don't want to be there, right? Like they just take a class as a filler. They need something instead of study hall, they shove them in our class and then we supposed to deal with them. Right. So, you know, our, our situation is a little bit different than some because we don't train any athletes before school. We don't train any athletes after school or students. We have general pop students mixing with athletes. We may have, um, you know, uh, a freshman uh, cross country runner in with a 12th grade football player, right? Like that's that's what we're dealing with. So our big thing is, you know, and plus we have, plus all our classes are co-ed. So that's, that's you know, some people, they see that as a red flag, but we really have any issues. Our biggest thing is, is really making a connection. Um, I think all the kids understand, you know, we do, you know, we do have some coaches that are very prominent with the weight room and say, Hey, their kids have to be in there. And then we have some coaches that are like, ah, whatever, you know, it is what it is. So you kind of have to deal with that. Our big thing is just that connection. Um, you know, the kids see us training, you know, they may check our Instagram, you know, all kids have social media. So they may check Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So you need to put things on there that are positive, that are, you know, climatic towards training that understand that um, the kids know they're getting a grade. A lot of kids, since I do work at a private school, a lot of kids are very motivated to get good grades, even if they want to be high achievers, right? So um, they love to win. Um, they hate to lose. So even if they, you know, are in the band, they want to be the best. That's why their parents are sending them there, right? So we do have a, a lot of kids that are very intrinsically motivated. Um, you know, one thing we just started recently is we have a grading system. So we numerically grade all our kids on a daily basis. It doesn't affect grade but it gives them a numerical number one through five, five being the worst, one being, or five being the best, one being the worst. And then we have a, a weekly, you know, so for uh, a four days a week, all our kids train four days a week in class, no matter what. So for that, they need to get 13, right? So I think they need to get like whatever 13 is, three threes and a four, all right? So that's pretty basic. If they can't get that, that's that's an issue, right? So um, so that's something that we try to do. And a lot of those kids, we just started this week because this is the first time we implemented I've implemented in the college system before. In the college system, you could have, uh, you can have, you know, consequences, right? So, hey, if a kid doesn't have good technique and he scores a low grade, he needs to come extra to get extra technique or do extra conditioning or clean the weight room, whatever you want to do. Well, in this private sector, we can't really do that. We're pretty much just based off of uh, these kids actually caring. Um, so these grades, they actually compare themselves to some kids and maybe even the workout partner they're with. And let's say if I'm working with somebody and, you know, I get a three, and the other person gets a four, I'm thinking to myself, well, how, how, why, right? So now all of a sudden they're watching a little bit more, they're a little bit more focused on those things. And we pretty much emphasize um, our effort. We, we emphasize attention. So are we spotting? Are we putting collars on the bar? Are we doing exercise? You know, are we cleaning up after ourselves? Are the racks clean when we're done? Is everything, you, your responsibilities, are they done? And the last one's just technical issues, right? Are we listening to coaching? Are we refining things? So it pretty much gets these kids, you know, a little bit more attention and go from there. So that's, you know, and obviously the, the regular things, you know, playing music that they want to hear. Sometimes we have some competitions at the end that they get, you know, pretty, pretty animate about. And I might even throw some extra points in there. Hey, you know, we're playing, you know, partner and partner, tug of war or something. Whoever wins gets extra, 
point on their grade or something. You know what I'm saying? So they get a little bit competitive. So we try to do those things, um, you know, similar to what you might do in a college setting, right? Except in college setting, you have, a, you know, especially for football, they'll have a point system. You'll draft players and you'll do some competition stuff, you know, that the coaches do for mat drills or whatnot. Um, so those are, that's some things that we do. Um, and we really try to harp leadership and, and try to get kids to pretty much break out of their shell. And by the end of the time, they understand that what we're doing is important. It's going to help mom later on. So hopefully that's beneficial to everybody. No, thanks for sharing, uh, coach. <laughs> One thing that we do on Brian, I think that's a really good question because in the educational setting, it's different than the private in that we'll have a lot of athletes take the class, but anyone can take the class. So, for example, we'll have kids that want to go into the military and they want to make sure they do a good job as far as testing, you know, doing all those requirements that each branch of the military, you know, needs. And then we'll also uh, be a situation where we're always dealing with, you know, since the pandemic, more mental health than we've ever seen before. So we're always not telling, you know, we're telling the kids we train the body, but we're also training the brain. And we're always giving them the why behind everything that we do. And we ask a lot of the kids, you know, hey, you know, this is the most difficult physical education class to take in our curriculum. So why do you take it? And a lot of them will just say, because they love to be uh, disciplined. They, they want to be held accountable and they want to be challenged. And when they're in that environment, it puts them in a situation. It kind of gets them out of their comfort zone. And they know that they're going to get a lot out of the class. And regardless of where their ability level is, we just want to get each kid to get the most out of their ability. And they're understanding that this is a lifestyle that they are going to continue once they leave the high school. And I think them are big selling points, telling them the why, and then they're, they control the how. You know, how they do the program. Are they going to skip sets? Are they going to skip reps? Are they going to go at 50%? Are, are they not going to do the things that they're supposed to do? And I think that way you can really build a FIED class, whether it's strength and conditioning or whatever you want to call it, fitness. And I think more and more people just get contagious to that and want to be in that type of environment. Yeah. So, so coach, you know, back to uh, getting get to in season a little bit here. Um, read an article you had on Elite FTS talking about auto regulation a little bit with in-season training. And, and I am a huge believer in auto-regulating in-season. And, um, you know, I read an article when I was at Wisconsin from, from Dave Tate, talked about cybergenic periodization. You know, it's obviously auto-regulating, but he had a unique term for it. And I kind of went with it with, with my guys in-season with the O-line and tight ends. And we basically, you know, had the rule of, you know, if you came in and you were feeling a little beat up, you did what was on the card. Um, but if you felt good, especially in season and, and Dean, you know, let's work with football kids, you, you know, those days in season that the kids feel good, you have to maximize them. Um, so why do you think auto regulation is, is so important in season and, and how do you manage it in the high school setting? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the article from elite fitness, I think Mark Watts wrote it, um, a while ago and I was good friends with Mark Watts, uh, back in the day, still am, but the big reason we had a lot of a lot of our situation at Youngstown State, we went through a coaching change and we had a really particular situation is that, uh, you know, we got a lot with the new coaching staff. We got rid of a lot of kids. We needed scholarship money. So we actually started the season with roughly about 75, 80 kids, which for one double A is a little rough. Uh, so our big thing was keeping kids healthy and maximizing potential throughout the entire season. So in order to do so, we came up with that all regulation system. 
Um, and we kind of devised it off of a playing system, how many, how many plays the individual had. So if they're not playing, obviously, you know, we're very limited as far as our training environment too, as far as how many sessions we had throughout the day or whatnot. So um, I think the biggest thing was just really trying to keep the kids healthy overall um, and trying to maximize their performance year round. So, you know, we regulated it based off how many plays they had. So if the individual is not playing a lot, they're almost doing another off season program, um, you know, and we can monitor it day to day. So one day they might be very intense. One day it may be more of a restoration because uh, I was the only strength coach that traveled with the program and, and playing in the Missouri Valley uh, at the time. I mean, it's a, it's a tough conference just with travel and, and the competition with North Dakota State being in there and South Dakota State. I mean, they're they're day in, day out. They're, they're pretty in Western, you know, in Northern Iowa. I mean, there's some competitors. So our big thing was trying to keep those guys as fresh as possible. And we also gave exercise variations, right? So if we had an O-lineman and he didn't feel like doing a hand cling today, then we're going to do some type of, uh, we might do some type of med ball toss or some type of sled push or some type of jump uh, instead of that, right? Or even even a partial variation, right? Of Olympic, maybe a high pull or something like that. Or we may do something where it's, uh, uh, it may be something where we're doing maximal, you know, if a kid, kid doesn't want to front squat, then we may do something where we're band oriented. So we're trying to get variations within the program. So not only are we auto-regulating the volume or the intensity, we're also manipulating the uh, exercise to fit the need of the athlete too. So it's not like a square peg and you're just trying to drive, drive it into that round hole, right? Like everybody has to clean or everybody has to squat or everybody. No, these kids, a lot of these kids don't respond to that. They're like, whatever they, especially in season, whatever they're comfortable with and whether they feel makes the, gets the most out of them, they're going to do the best of their potential. Right. So if there's a way that we can maximize performance <laughs> and, and, and do that in a setting where, um, you know, from a placebo effect that, mentally they feel feel like they're the best on the field then why not do it so and i think programming for in season right you all, you have to program for the masses right, right. because you're in a time constraint and then you adjust from there right you know you know so yeah and i was i was fortunate enough to run that program like it was i had a really good staff as far as interns i had a couple assistants at the time um so we had an individual with every i guess every position so we had lower you know we had young guys with old guys so somebody took you know our uh, our newbies are our younger, you know, uh, DBs. Somebody took our O-line, D-line, young guys. Somebody had older guys. Somebody had older guys on each one. And then somebody had kickers and quarterbacks. So we had six staff members that were pretty much on the floor. And, you know, during a workout session, I might have five DBs. Another guy might have another younger guy that they're doing a different program with. So it was able to individualize a little bit. But overall, you know, we kind of – we kind of – you know, did our 85% uh, as we tapered up towards the end of the season. And, and roughly, you know, with the program that we used, I think the percentages were, like, I think upper body-wise, I think 95% of guys either maintained their strength or got stronger as far as upper body. And then lower body, I think, was in the, the high 80s. That's so awesome. it was beneficial. Um, and just with the population that we had, I mean, we only had 75 guys on a whole roster. So we had to keep those guys healthy as possible because usually it's a 100-man roster. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, we brought in 28, 28 uh, freshmen that year, too. So it's a very young roster. So um, there's something we just need to keep those guys durable, but still build strength throughout the season. So, Hey, John, you know, the strength and conditioning field has really evolved over the years. And, and you've been doing it as long as I've been doing it. And Brian's been doing it. Right. Brian was in the public public system when he was with the Wisconsin Badgers. And obviously now he's in the private sector. But the NHSSCA, National High School Strength right. and Conditioning Association, 
Um, I'm on the advisor board for the state of Wisconsin. Last year at our state clinic, Brian talked about the conjugate method. And uh, we had a great turnout. I think there was like 80 coaches there. We got ours coming up in February down in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I noticed you're the chair in Georgia. Talk a little bit how important that is, that organization, as far as getting strength and conditioning coaches around the country to keep evolving and to keep helping. Because I know you have a huge passion to help all your athletes get better. Right. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think having an organization, just like anything else, you know, you have the College Strength Conditioning Association, you have the NSCA. Um, I think this gives a governing body for those high school strength coaches because normally in the high school high school level, I mean, it's usually, it used to be just the sport coach, right? Sport coach would come in, they would coach their guys up, and then you don't know what they're doing. Um, they may get a program from another, you know, university and try it on high school kids. And it just became, you know, it kind of had that mantra that, well, anybody can do in the weight room, anybody can do that job, right? Where this is kind of separating that, you know, and giving, you know, high school strength coaches their own voice, which I think is needed, um, you know, especially from an educated professional standpoint, that is just not some sport coach. It's not like there's not qualified individuals, but people that have some type of backing, it's, it's giving administration say, hey, this person's a qualified individual. They, they're with this association and they're qualified just to do this task, right? Because as you add more tasks on the individual's uh, duties, it's going to just totally dilute them over and over, right? They're not going to put as much effort into, into some things as others. So um, I think it's going to have a big push. I mean, it's all dependent on the administration of the, the National High School Strength Conditioning Association is how many people are really going to listen, right? Like um, it, it's a tough, it's a tough venue to affect because you're dealing with, you know, state money and, and some private school money is trying to get administration to, to hire just these professionals. But I think it's, I think it's huge the way that they educate those high school, you know, they're giving, uh, some some places are giving those family days. They have free clinics. Um, they're having very, you know, it's very affordable for high school coaches to go to these, you know, go to the national conference or go to these state conferences. So it's a pretty easy way to get education and educate those individuals that may not normally have the funds to do so. So I think it's huge. And I think, you know, all high school strength conditioning coaches, I know they're working on a certification. Um, you know, I don't know how effective it will be, but I think it's going to be something that, you know, a lot of high school coaches are going to jump on just because, um, you know, a lot of high school coaches, you know, don't have the education to take the CSCS or, or whatnot, especially you're going to need a four-year degree eventually to take it uh, in years to come. So it's going to give another outlet for the, the association to grow for sure. Yeah, I think so it's awesome. Think yep. I mean, it's just, there needs to be something in the high school level. Right. You know, you can't just have someone in there. Um, and there should be criteria for like, for, I mean, at some point, high schools need to form some type of criteria as to, you know, who's actually supervising right. the weight room. And, and, you know, and when I say supervise, I mean, leading the workouts because, you, you know, it's not gold gym, you know, right. you don't, you know, and there's stories of coaches everywhere from around here and, and all other places, you know, the coaches are in there reading a newspaper, kids got their phone, you know, got, got the workout on an app on their phone, which I, you know, personally, I, I can't stand having phones in the weight room outside of our staff for video purposes for Instagram. Um, it's just, and, and, and then you get, you talk with those schools and they don't want to invest in it, you know, because they feel like they have people that are running it, you know, and that's, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate, but I think the high schools in, in our country across the board need to do better for our athletes and find ways to, you know, and it's, I'm not saying that the football coach can't be the guy in the weight room. You know, I'm not saying that the women's volleyball coach can't be the person in the weight room. But they have to be of someone that has, you know, some educational background that has some continuing education that they're, 
you know, fostering that, that they're trying to get better. They're not doing the same stuff every year because the same stuff doesn't work every year. Um, and so hopefully our high schools start to see that, that there is that organization that you guys are a part of, that you're, you're doing the work to try and bring that awareness to schools because it's definitely needed in across the country. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it's really important just for the fact that, you know, you talk to a lot of high school strength coaches and they're, you ask them, Hey, are you CSCS or, or, and you know, the letters really don't mean anything, you know, depending on how you run a thing, but a lot of the, the rebuttal from, from some of these high school strength coaches are, Hey, you know, I don't have alphabet soup behind my name or I don't have this behind my name, but it's really, you know, I think having those certifications is important because it gives some type of credentialing or some type of justification that you've continued that you find continued education important, right? Because you've studied for these exams and taken them. And especially at the high school level with so many, uh, whether it's deaths from conditioning or deaths from that, you know, just a lot of players, pat, you know, passing away just because maybe it's during football conditioning or maybe it's in the weight room or who knows if it's ill properly. And that's not just in high school, but it happens in college. It happens at every level. Right. So I think having that, that those letters behind your name, I think it is important just because it shows that you're going that extra step to further your education and you're willing to pay money to get that verification that, Hey, I care because I'm invested in this profession. Right. So I think the, I think the association is huge, but, and hopefully you have those, those individuals that are qualified so we can, so we can limit or even stop. Those things shouldn't happen as far as those immediate deaths and stuff, as far as athletics goes. Coach. So let's talk conjugate just a little bit here. Right. Um, Let's just get right to it. Why do you think it's the best system for athletes? I mean, overall, you work on all qualities, right? I mean, it's something it's it's very basic. So you work on every quality that you can possibly train uh, the body in. Uh, I think it's very simplistic as far as equipment that you need, as far as variation goes. So if you're working maximal strength, if you're using, you know, if you're working submaximal or dynamic method, repeated effort method, I think it's something that you can pretty much program and you're getting every single quality. So during the season, if you have an athlete that's training, you know, at the high school level, we have a high percentage of individuals that are playing multiple sports. Uh, so we don't have a true off season or in season or anything we can't maintain. Right. So we're training kids four days a week and we are, we are consistently, you know, pushing them all the time. Just like this week, we've already, you know, we did a max effort uh, upper body and lower lift uh, this week for our guys and girls. And we have, uh, we have a state swim and dive tomorrow. We played a basketball game last night. Um, this weekend, two weekends, we have, you know, state wrestling. So these guys are, you know, hitting max effort and at their strongest potential during the most important time of their year, right? So it's something that you don't have to taper. Um, you can be smart about programming. You know, we do have kids that are in coaches that are always hesitant, right? Oh, why are we lifting on game day or why are we doing this? But if it's something that you run a complete system that's, that's you know, intentional and kids are used to that system, then you shouldn't have, you know, kids aren't going to be sore. They're going to be primed and ready for, to perform. So I think it gives them a killer instinct too. If I hit a max right. effort squat, I think it's something that if I know I hit a max effort squat and depending on where you're at in your week and I, and I am physically, I feel confident, then that's a, that's a mental, I mean, that's a mental edge over competition for sure. That's a huge selling point, right? Yeah. Because you can sell it. Like, you know, look at where you're at. Do you think they're doing that in the team you're playing? Yeah. And most of the time they're not. So that's a huge mental advantage. And we know that mental is such a huge part of the high school game. I mean, right. you, I mean, that that's huge for kids. Yeah. Louis Simmons, any Louis Simmons moments? Uh, I, I trained at Westside in March of 14. So um, I'm not a very, I mean, I'm not a really strong lifter, but it's something I was throwing into the bunch. And, and, you know, it was, 
it was an eye-opening experience with how intent, you know, those things are as far as Louie and how he coaches and stuff. You know, I've, I've trained with other crews. You know, I've trained with individuals. I, I think I've trained with seven guys. I've squat over a thousand, uh, like including Donnie Thompson and stuff. So I, wow. I go, I go to individuals that, you know, um, I want to learn as much as possible. Right. But Louie, I mean, as you all know, I know, you know, Mark Deppin and I are very good friends. We met back in 2000, uh, 2015. Um, and we converse regularly, but obviously I think he has more stories about Louie than anybody, uh, possible. Right. So, uh, but yeah, just the time meeting him and his educational process, how much of an effect he's had on the profession. Um, I think it's huge. And it's not just the football thing. It's a track and field thing. It's MMA thing. It, it carries over to every sport possible when people don't realize they say, oh, that's a powerlifting workout or why are you doing this powerlifting workout with my team? And it's not that it's a method of training and, and people just don't realize that for sure. That's awesome. Coach, we ask every person that we have every guest that we have on the podcast because obviously it's called get your edge podcast yep. so what get your edge advice would you have for our listeners yeah i think the biggest thing is train yourself i mean you got to train um uh, you know a lot of people when they move into different areas they seek out like i work at a high school it's very close to uga very close to georgia tech most of those coaches would go and, and try to you know pick the brains of those individuals I try to find the strongest gyms in the area and I pick the brains of those individuals. That makes sense. Cause those people, a lot of those people don't have a formal education. Uh, they've been training for years. Uh, they do stuff that's not written down in any book and it, it works and it's progressive. Right. So I, you know, that's why, you know, I've seeked out some individuals, every place I've moved, I've, I've sought a gym or a crew to train with. So having a training partner is huge, but just training yourself, put yourself under the bar, uh, feeling what your athletes would feel, not necessarily the same workout as you age. Right. But, um, you know, just that intensity and that mental prowess to, to go educate yourself and, and, you know, be part of the iron game is huge. So. John, were you at the, um, Georgia tech strength clinic with, uh, Inky Johnson down there? I was not, I, I did go and see, uh, the head strength coach there, Lou. Yes. Uh, he's at UNC Charlotte now. So yep. I can honestly tell you that, um, as far as an individual that, that, you know, I, I've seen a lot of coaches, but as far as a, a coach that can really grasp his players, and get them to buy in right away and and mentally uh, give everything they have towards training um, in person. It, it was it was eye opening for sure, because, you know, you, you see you see stuff on Instagram. He's a very big social presence on social media. Yes. And his training philosophies are a little bit uh, a little bit unorthodox. Right. But as far as, you know, the the smile on the guys faces as they did exercises and the camaraderie of the team events. Uh, you know, I've been around a lot of strength coaches and I've, I've, that's one of the places that just met even into, you know, 23 years in the business. I, it was eye opening. Um, he's, he's, you know, if you want somebody to train a team, he's pretty good. So he can really get those guys involved And the way he is on social media is the same way he's in real yep. life. It's not an act and people think it's an act just to get followers or whatnot, but, uh, that guy's a real deal. And, uh, you know, I don't know how, you know, the kids respond to him and they love him. And I know when he left Georgia Tech, it was heartbreaking for a lot of those kids. But now Charlotte has him. And uh, I think they're going to do good things down there for sure. So, And he's such a good person. That's the best he's, part about he, it. He's awesome. I mean, he's an amazing person. And I, you know, I just went on a whim and, and I went up there and, and uh, you know, I, you know, I think it was a 6 a.m. workout. They had 110 guys in the weight room at one time training. Um, yeah, so it, all guys were training in there in their room and the Georgia Tech's room isn't a big room at all. It's very, uh, landlocked and, you know, 110 guys in there, they're gritting, they're grinding. Uh, they run in the room, you know, he's on their shoulders, like riding a wave. Like they were, I mean, it was, it was intense. It was awesome. And he had those guys ready to go. And it, the thing was, is 
you know, they, they've had some bad seasons before, but the thing is, is, you know, that none of the guys were down. None of them were, you know, trying to leave or sulking or anything like they were ready to train and get after it. So it's, it's pretty unbelievable. John, you know, we, I met uh, Lewis, myself and coach Mangan, who I teach with, he was at Michigan at the time. Yep. And this was years ago. And then he went down and he's bounced around and we went to that Georgia tech clinic last year when right. he was there and, just unbelievable. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He took us in and we sat and talked strength and conditioning for about six hours in his office. And uh, we had him on the podcast. Brian and I had him on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Just, he was sensational. He just uh, had so many, so, yeah. so many good points on the podcast. So no, he's a great dude. And if I do, you know, my wife works in, she, she has her own nutrition business. So she helps out with Georgia and then she does the, uh, she works out with the Charlotte Mecklenburg school system in Charlotte. So she travels there once a month. So it's a matter of time that I go back and meet him in Charlotte again. So I've, because I've worked in Charlotte for a period of time. So I have some friends there too, but uh, yeah, that, that dude's, I mean, that dude's golden. Whoever has him with their program, it will definitely get the most out of uh, most other kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Coach. We appreciate you hopping on dog. Yep. Fox Valley throws what we got. Anything. Yeah. Almost we done? just got our, our February sessions are going. So we got four more on Sunday. It's here in February, and then March 6th, track and field starts in the state of Wisconsin. So I don't know where it is on uh, Georgia. When do you guys start, John? Do you know? Uh, we, started, we started practice already, so I think it's another oh. three weeks or something like that. Yeah, so we don't have any here. Right so, now, here. Yeah, yeah, we don't have no snow. 20 below zero. About, yeah, chill. I think it was about 65 today, so it's pretty, <laughs> pretty hard to fire it when Santa should be coming here. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so, well, John, we appreciate you hopping on. For um, sure. Doing some great things. We'll put a lot of your information in the show notes so people can reach out to you, yep. ask questions. Um, and again, both you guys, just what you're doing in our high schools is 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 so needed. And and you know, if you're an administrator and you're listening, all right, and, and you want to start a high school program, strength program, or you want to revamp it, these are two of the guys that you should be talking to, as well as, as well as Coach Deppin, who we had on a couple yeah. couple weeks ago. Um, some of these guys are doing incredible work. Uh, incredible growth mindset. And that's what it takes to be a successful coach because you're leading the next generation of people in our country as well as athletes. That ends it for this episode of Get Your Pod, Get Your Edge Podcast. We will see you next time. Chop it.